Welcome back to another episode of Reform, Reproduce, and Reconstruct, where we will be talking about, as Christians, what we should believe and teach, the family, reproduction, and how we're to influence and interact with the world around us. I'm your host, Jeremy Walker, and on this episode, we're going to be discussing salvation confusion and the Christ impersonators, and how that interrelates with what we should believe and teach about faith and works. So, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Reform, Reproduce, and Reconstruct. I want to go ahead and, as we're getting started here, remind you about our social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find us and connect with us there. You can find all of our links on our main uh, page, cr101radio.com forward slash reform, reproduce, reconstruct. We're also on all the major podcast directories. You can look us up there as well on our website. But to get us started, salvation, confusion, and the Christ impersonators. Well, on this podcast, we like to discuss a couple things. Obviously, primarily what we should believe and teach, uh, how that affects the family itself, and, of course, what we're supposed to do about it. Uh, those are the three things we focus on. So salvation confusion, um, I came across this idea for this podcast because people are confused. Now, we're not talking about non-Christians here. We're talking about Christian people, well-meaning Christian people, and these people are genuinely confused, absolutely and completely confused about salvation itself. Now, there seems to be this problem. So many people want to be zealous about uh, how we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone, uh, by grace alone, the basic tenets of the Christian faith. And so because they're so zealous of this, they absolutely abhor the law. Any mention of God's commandments or the need to keep them and all of a sudden, everybody loses their minds and goes crazy. But why is that? Why is it that people lose their minds and go crazy on this concept? Well, part of it is because in the New Testament, we had a lot of people uh, who were still Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews, whatever you want to call them. And they were still focusing on what they called the need to obey the commandments. But this, of course, is covered by Jesus himself many times. And so this is why there's no need for confusion. We can just jump past it. I mean, it is an absolute base doctrine. But once a person has it, they understand that they can't work themselves into salvation. They can't be good enough to please God or to be justified before God. Then there's no reason to continue to dwell on it and argue and fight over it. And there's no reason for us to say, well, there is no need for law. We shouldn't teach the law. We shouldn't talk about the law. The law is horrible. The law is not a faith. People are crazy, just crazy. But what happens is this. You have their John 3.16 people, and they want to argue about salvation as far as who it's available to, who can be saved, and all the rest. Well, I encourage you, I won't spend too much time on it right now because it's not our focus. Uh, just read the Bible. That sounds cliche, it sounds stupid, I know. But just take the Bible itself and begin to read it. What happens is this. When you just begin to read the Bible, a story comes in to focus. The story is very simple. You cannot, at any point in time, keep the commandments of God in order to be justified before God. Jesus had a situation where he was talking to a man, and the man was asking him what he needed in order to be 
uh, to inherit eternal life and to have salvation. And the man asked, well, what is it that you read in the scriptures? And he says, well, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yes, go do that and you shall live. The problem was that the man knew he didn't do it. And we all know we don't either. We can read those commandments and we don't. We have not kept them perfectly. And we know that. And so the man tried to justify himself to Jesus and said, well, who is my neighbor? And then, of course, uh, went on with the parables of teaching about who your neighbors are. But the man tried to justify himself that he could, by being good enough, by being good enough, he could at somehow earn salvation for himself. And the problem was he couldn't do it, obviously. So we can jump past this idea that you can be good enough. You have to have a savior. You need a savior in order to be justified before God. Uh, Christ has to die for the sins of each person individually in order for them to be justified. In other words, God doesn't see you. God sees Christ. It's that simple. Now, once we're past that uh, idea, and we want to get into the idea that some people say it's available to everybody. I'll just read John, in particular the book of John, but the entire Bible, uh, particularly the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read what Jesus says, not with your preconditions of what you want Jesus to say, but what he actually says. And it's very clear, especially in the book of John, again and again, that clearly there were some people that were chosen, clearly there were some that he was there to teach, and clearly there were some that he was not there for and would not listen to him. John 10 in particular is my favorite passage for this. There's no weaseling around it. Um, they said, well, if you are the Christ, why causes thou? Why do you cause us to doubt? Just tell us plainly. And Jesus does. He says, well, I have spoken plainly, but you don't listen because my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You don't because you're not of my sheep. So in other words, you can't get more clear than that. Uh, you're arguing with scripture. You want to argue with about it all day long. I'm not here to argue over this concept of is it limited atonement or uh, open atonement for anybody who wants it or whatever. Um, I don't think it's worth arguing over. If you want to take my advice on this, don't argue over the subject. Point people to the Bible, deliver to them what you know is true, and then move on. Because people aren't going to listen to you, um, and you're just going to waste your breath. And it doesn't mean they're not Christians. It just means that they are confused. They have salvation confusion, as the title of this episode is. But I don't want to talk about that part of it so much. But the part about what happens with the law. And that's what we want to talk about here. Because there's a passage, and I want to go over this. It's in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20. And I read this to somebody before, and they lost their minds again. Everybody loses their minds. Everybody cannot do anything but say, we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by works. Okay, we get that. That's very clear in the Bible. But you can't just say, well, I have faith, therefore I'm saved. I made a profession of faith, therefore I'm saved. No, that's not how it works. You're only picking the part of the Bible that you want, that you want to listen to, that you want to work with, and you're missing everything else. Now, this doesn't mean you're not a Christian. This doesn't mean that your salvation is not true. It just means you have complete salvation confusion. Salvation has nothing to do with you. You can't do anything about it. You can't start it. You can't stop it. You can't avoid it. You can't uh, ask for it. But a person that has been converted, a person who has been saved, well, how do you know the difference? Is it just because of what they say? Is it the person who says, oh, I have faith? And the person just believe everything you say, no matter what you do or how you act? The person who invites you into our communities? It doesn't matter if you are a thief or an honest man. It doesn't matter if you have fidelity towards your wife or if you commit adultery. It doesn't matter if you listen to your parents or you disrespect them. It doesn't matter if you listen to your boss or you don't. It doesn't matter. You get the idea. 
Christians, how are they supposed to act? What is their standard of living? And I talked to somebody about this before, about what's the standard of how you're supposed to act. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by law. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Stop being confused. Get rid of your salvation confusion because you're not listening to the Bible. If you want to know good doctrine, go to the Bible. Listen to it. Don't take bits and pieces that you like and then ignore the rest. Don't think that somebody's going to get the upper hand because you think that that it hurts your position and therefore you deny it. No, no. You take all the Bible. It's all one truth, one word. If you're scared of Scripture, if you can't consolidate it, if you can't make it work within what you already think, then you're probably wrong. But I want to jump into what was very specific about this. A person who says, I have faith. You can't question me. You can't look into my hearts of hearts and know any better. Well, that's true. The Bible is clear that Christians can and do and will sin. No debate about that. All throughout the Bible, Old Testament's full of that kind of stuff. David was a murderer and an adulterer, but he was called pure and perfect by God multiple times, not because of himself, but because of Christ, because God made him pure. So, yes, we're definitely not saved by works. Yes, we can still sin and break the commandments, but those that have been justified are not committing sin on the same level as the unrepentant. When we sin, we lose reward. It does not send you back into hellfire. You cannot lose your salvation. That's another problem that people have with this salvation confusion that for some reason, if you say this, you have to have works, then, oh my gosh, you can, you can lose your salvation now because you don't keep the law. No, that's not it at all. The law has to do with one simple thing. It either is for you to earn reward or not to earn reward. If I'm going to be faithful to my wife or if I'm going to commit adultery against my wife and God's commandments primarily, then I'm going to lose reward. Number one, you look at David's life. He lost immediate reward because he had horrible punishments, devastating punishments for what he did. And then, of course, he was going to lose reward later on. God even said, if you had not done these things, I would have blessed you in such and such and such and such and such and such. But you didn't. So this is what's going to happen instead. See, your reward is at stake. Reward now and reward in eternity. As Paul says, he ran the race hoping to get a crown and reward. That's it. So your actions matter right now, and your actions matter in eternity, especially for the Christian. For the non-Christian, if you are the best person on the planet, meaning you're trying to help little old ladies and help uh, cancer kids and raising money, and you're trying to do X, Y, and Z, but you still are not a Christian, you still despise the Bible itself, and you're just going to be a good humanist, well, it doesn't matter how many good things that you do. You cannot earn your way into that. And so it doesn't do you any good whatsoever. So good works mean nothing to you, except potentially, and the Bible does back this up, that there is less punishments in hell for those types of people. So it doesn't earn them salvation, but maybe it earns them potentially, as we could call it, a softer time in eternity. And that is backed up by Scripture. But I want to get into this right here, James 2, 14 through 20. Quote, What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say that he hath faith, and he have not works? Question mark. Can faith save him? Question mark. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Question mark. Even so, 
If it hath not, uh, so, uh, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Let me read that again, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Intertwined, they go together. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee, show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Question mark. So, this is not promoting works-based salvation. This is not promoting, as some people would like to claim, uh, where faith and works are intertwined so that way um, it, salvation is partially by faith and also partially by works. And you put those two together and now you have a saved person. No. A lot of argument over that as well. Salvation confusion. But what it comes down to is simple. A person who claims to have faith, but he doesn't have works to back that up. You shouldn't believe him. You shouldn't believe him. If you yourself claim to have faith in Christ, claim to have prayed the prayer, claim to be a changed person, but you don't actually have the works to back it up, you have reason to doubt yourself. You have reason to doubt that you have been confused, duped, and you're not really a Christian. You haven't really had new birth. New birth brings new person. New person means acts different. How does the person act? Oh, here we go. Back to what we said before. How do you know what a Christian looks like and acts like without the law? Well, we're going to get to that in a second with this idea of Christ impersonators. But salvation confusion has afflicted the church because of poor, horrible, terrible doctrines. Piecemeal doctrines, quote mining doctrines, where people will take what they like and toss out the rest. They only want the stuff that they want in there. And remember this, this is very important. If there is somebody who is a impersonator, an imposter, if there is somebody who is false in the church, how is the number one way they're going to hide themselves within the flock? If there is a wolf among the sheep, how is he going to uh, get himself to be in there peaceably and un unnoticed? Real simple. You make the definition of what a Christian is something where it's so obscure that it, it's easy for anybody to just claim to be something. Oh, I have faith. I claim to be a Bible-believing Christian. I believe the Bible cover to cover because it says Bible on the front of my Bible. And I go to church every day, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday night I'm there, and Sunday night I'm there as well, and prayer meeting with all the men, and I drive the bus for the bus ministry. I do. And on top of that, I've been baptized in the holy waters in front of everybody in the church. I was dunked down there, and everybody saw it. I got my name on the rolls of the membership. I'm a Christian. And don't you doubt, don't you tell somebody that I ain't no Christian. I am a Christian. You got to pardon the voice. I just use mockery voices sometimes. But the idea is this. Anybody can do those things. Anybody can show up to church whenever the doors are open. Happens all the time. 
You can come to prayer meetings. You can pray out loud. You can drive the bus. You can be baptized. That doesn't mean squat. How do you live? What do you do? How do you act? How do you treat your child? How do you spend your money? How do you treat your boss? How do you raise your kids? How do you educate your kids? These are the things we're talking about here and all that other stuff. The church has got superficial criterion for identifying Christians. They have these ridiculous doctrines that have confused everybody on the planet about what a true Christian is, what they look like, how they become one, and how they act. Because of that, the whole world has lost its mind. Churches are full of people who are not Christians who think they genuinely are. They would argue with you nonstop because their definitions are off. And when you stop and say things like, James, your faith without your works is dead. I'm going to look at how you act to see if you are a Christian or not. I'm going to say in my church community, how do these people act? Are they faithful to the commandments of God? Where before they were breaking them, but now they're keeping them. As Paul said, let the thief steal no more, but work honestly with his hands. There is a change of life. Zacchaeus, in the New Testament with Jesus, came, Jesus did, to his home, and he says, Master, I have taken everything that I've stolen and given it back fourfold. And then I've given money to the poor. Restitution. He stopped his thievery. He admitted his guilt. And then he returned everything back in restitution, which, of course, by the way, is God's law. And then on top of that, he took his money on top of that and then gave to people who were genuinely poor to help them further when he could and when he was able to do so. And Jesus then said, Oh, by your faith, you are now a Christian. No. Oh, by your giving of money because you want to give money to poor people. No. Because of your repentance and because of your restitution and then on top of those types of things, now we're going to believe Jesus said, salvation has come to your home. How do you act? I'm not going to be a thief anymore. I used to be a thief. On top of it, I just didn't go to people and say, I'm sorry for stealing your money. I gave it back fourfold. If I stole $1,000 from you, I'm going to give you $4,000 back. Now that is the actions of a repentant man. That is the actions of a true Christian man. Not silly words. Faith and works intertwined is what we're talking about here. Well, I could say more, but I'm going to leave us right there with this concept of salvation confusion. If you haven't settled in your mind that salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, then that's doctrine number one. If you haven't settled into your mind that nobody can just become converted because they want to, when you're evangelizing, you're looking for the sheep. You're not asking people to become sheep. When somebody rejects you, don't argue with them. Don't try to persuade them. You're not trying to get them to make a decision. That's not a sheep. Then on top of that, how do you know you are one? How do you know your profession was real? Faith without works is dead. You need to teach the law. You need to know the law because that's your new standard of living. Well, I used to do whatever I wanted as a humanist, anti-Christian person, but now I'm a Christian. What is my standard of life? What is my standard of morality? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to teach my kids how they're supposed to act? What is the standard? Without God's law, you have no standard of life. Well, I want to go ahead and jump into... I'll leave you with that for now. Reminding about Restoring Radio. Restoring Radio is a website that has hosted all of Restoring Radio's uh, lectures and sermons. Well, at least we're getting there. 
uh, provided by permission of the Chalcedon Foundation. You can visit this uh, website at rushunionradio.org and can also find out more information about Chalcedon at chalcedon.edu as well. Also, I want to remind our listeners that this podcast and more can be found on cr101radio.com, a Christian internet radio station and podcast. Now, this right here is very important because we're doing something here. We are also hosting on cr101radio.com podcast for free for Christians who want to start a podcast. And our current network is growing. As you can see, some of the people here, we have Preschool Pioneers, uh, Sola Scriptura, Out of the Question, uh, Justice in His Kingdom, and lots more, and more to come. So if you're interested in that, if you want to check out some of the other podcasts, check out our, our website, cr101radio.com. And, of course, uh, we want you to check out um, if you're interested in a podcast as well. Now, back into salvation confusion and what that means for you. Um, salvation confusion and Christ impersonators. The next part of this is the Christ impersonators because that was the second part of what I was talking with somebody about recently. Now, somebody said, well, we don't have law. I said, well, how are you supposed to train your kids and what are you supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to imitate Christ. Christ is our standard. Well, that's true. What did Christ do? You ever stop and ask yourself that? What did Christ do? Christ kept the law. Well, how do you know he kept the law? Because he had to keep the law perfectly in order to be justified before God. Christ was the only man ever to do that. That's why he could be our substitute. He kept the law of God perfectly in thought, word, and deed. He supported the law of God 100%. And he kept the law 100%. At no point in time did he have to have someone make him right before God he was right because he was perfect in his actions towards God. Remember, Jesus told the man, keep the law, thought, word, and deed, and you shall live. Christ did. And he says all throughout the New Testament, I have kept my Father's commandments, and therefore I abide in his love. Keep my commandments, and you will also abide in my love. Who is God and Christ? They're the same person. That's why they wanted to kill him. He claimed to be God the Father. Before Abraham was, I am. So when he says, keep my commandments, some people say, well, those are different commandments. They're not the same as the ones in the, uh, the Old Testament. Those aren't those. Je Jesus has a new law. No, he doesn't. His law is the one. He gave the law. The whole New Testament is all about that. Go back and check it again. Read for yourself. The entire New Testament is Jesus claiming to be Equal with God. Equal, which is why they wanted him dead. Because if he was telling the truth, then they were in some serious trouble. But they knew they were the people of God, so it couldn't be right. This is no different than today. The Christians today know they're the, God, the God's people. Therefore, they take the Bible and discount most of the stuff that's in it. Why? Can't be true. We know we're God's people. Can't be true. No, not possible. So, that's part of the problem. Right there. Christ impersonators. There's an interesting book that I read called Imaginary Jesus. Very interesting book. And went through, and it was actually, you know, a playful book. What a serious one. If you want to look it up, you can look it up. Imaginary Jesus. Very interesting book. But in it was a man who was searching for the real Jesus. And the Apostle Paul in the book was his guide. And they were traveling uh, kind of through this world. And as they were traveling and through it, 
they met lots of Jesuses, different kinds, um, because everybody has their own idea about who Jesus is. There was somebody who actually was a, uh, at an abortion mill, I believe it was one of the doctors, who were murdering children. And on the back of their door, there were protesters outside, you know, Christians outside saying that abortion was wrong. And on the back, the abortion doctor put on there, I like Jesus, but I don't like his followers. In other words, his followers are not like Jesus. You're not like the Jesus that I know. Jesus would never do that. He would never act like that. Just those, those hateful extremist Christians out there that would say that abortion is murder. That's ridiculous. Jesus would never say such a thing. See, nothing could be more blasphemous on the planet to say that Jesus wouldn't do the things that Jesus says he, he does and supports. People have their own idea of who Jesus is. Churches have their own idea of who Jesus is. How is it that they attract large groups of people? Because they're teaching a different Jesus, not the one from the Bible. The one from the Bible was so popular that people refused to follow him and eventually killed him. That's how popular they were. His doctrines were so popular that not only did they kill him, they also then attempted to kill his followers all throughout the New Testament and for the last 2,000 plus years have been doing the same thing. That is the real Jesus. The real Jesus is one who upholds the law, keeps the law, teaches the law. Very unpopular for individuals and society, which is why not only did individuals hate people, but also so did civilizations, governments, kings, governors, all of them hated the Christians because when they said Christ is Lord, it meant everybody had to obey. Now, it doesn't mean Christians are going around in a political party and forcing people to obey. We're saying Jesus is king. We're just the heralds. We're not the enforcers. Christ is taking care of things on his own. But when people say, you just need to impersonate Christ, you need to be like Christ, and then they don't give you the law, you know that you're dealing with somebody who is completely confused and doesn't know what they're talking about, or worse, they're malicious. Christ kept the law. Christ gave the law. Christ did not come so he could then tell people, well, I kept the law because it was really important to God the Father. But you don't need to. You just live any way you want to. Your churches, live any way you want to. Your civil government, live any way you want to. In your personal life, live any way you want to. For you, you're free. I came and died and bled so you can be freed from having to listen to God. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So whenever somebody tells you that they need to impersonate Christ, ask them a simple question. Which one? Yours or the one from the Bible? The one from the Bible is very clear when you read just the four chapters that are four of the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about who you're talking about, what he advocated, what he said. He said himself that he was God. Him and God the Father were in complete agreement. Anybody who tries to tell you that God the Father and God the Son have two different uh, connections or two different types of people with two different um, ways of doing things, God the Father was judgment, God the Son is all love, no, they're the same person. From beginning to end, they're the same person. You cannot break the Trinity up into pieces that you like. You can't attribute to Christ things that you want and like and then get rid of the rest. That right there is called idolatry. Now, people wouldn't claim that churches are full of idolatry, but they are. Anytime you teach a different Christ, you are idolatrous. You cannot have James telling you that faith without works is dead. 
and then say, we don't need works. Works aren't important. We don't need the law. All we need is Christ. All we need is follow Christ. We don't need to look at our works. Don't you tell me that I'm not a Christian if I can, I can say that I'm, a, I'm a, a Christian because I, I prayed the prayer and I got baptized. No, you're not. James has no problem saying it, and neither should you. And for your children, if you want them to impersonate Christ, teach them the real one. You open that Bible up and you tell them who the real Jesus is. You teach them exactly what Jesus' standard was, to love God in thought, word, and deed, and to treat your neighbor as yourself. And guess what that is a summary of? The Ten Commandments and the Prophets. The law and the prophets is summed up in that, to treat your neighbor as yourself and to love God with thought, word, and deed. So the entire Old Testament law is wrapped up into that simple thing. And people would like to take that and divorce it from it. But once you do it and get rid of it, you can redefine it any way you want. Well, hopefully that makes you think about what you should do with your children and how you should teach them. Memory verses is great. Sure. Teaching them the Psalms, singing, Sure. But if they don't know the commandments of God, they don't know the standard. They won't know what Christ wants them to do if you don't teach them the law of God and what they're supposed to do. So I would like to point out a few more things as well. We have a direct mail campaign that we do for people. Keep you informed if you'd like at uh, cr101radio.com. Scroll to the bottom and you can enter your information and submit so you can join our mailing list if you'd like uh, all of our content and to be reminded of other things we do, including the episodes that we put up. We also have a book giveaway we do as well at CR101radio.com. Uh, top right-hand corner, click on book giveaways, and you can enter to win free books. And we also have that on the mailing list as well. And so our last portion here for salvation confusion and the Christ impersonators, what are we supposed to do with all this? Well, what we're supposed to do with it is this. We're supposed to, number one, be an example. Study the Word of God and His commandments and learn to keep them, not because it's going to earn you salvation, because it is your standard of living, and it's how you're going to earn reward. Here, now, and in eternity. You take that, and you apply that to your family. You teach your family God's law and God's commandments, so they can earn reward here and now, and in eternity. And you take that into the church community, so that your fellow Christians can be edified, and they can earn reward here and now, and in eternity. And then, it has the last application, which is to society. When you get a chance to vote, it's going to affect you. Those commandments is what dictates your innermost held beliefs and how you're going to vote. What kind of nation you want to build. What kind of justice that you want to have here in America. And justice is defined as that which is right. And that doesn't mean just what is right as far as uh, right and wrong, but also punishments as well. So not only is it uh, should adultery be okay or not, but also what should happen to adulterers. Or uh, should theft be okay or not? Or what should happen to a thief? See, in the order of thievery, general thievery, God's law says obviously theft is wrong. Very simple. The general simple thief, if they stole $100, they have to guess what the penalty is. Restitution times two. There's no jail time involved. We won't get into all that, but that is what should happen and how this affects us when we actually take seriously God's law. And if we have true salvation, it's going to manifest itself in our works, personally, our children, our church communities, and then eventually our nation. And if those, all of it works together, it's going to breed heaven on earth to a certain degree. 
Because heaven is a place where God's order is. God's will and desire is kept and followed. And that means the more you obey God's commandments, the more you're bringing heaven to earth as you continue. You're bringing God's order to your life, to your family, to your business, to your church, and to your society. And to do the opposite is just that, the opposite. So, also I want to remind you of our sponsors, gcsprinship.com along with cr101radio.com. But if you were interested in learning how to become a Christian school teacher or how to start your own school, the GCS Apprenticeship uh, can help. And so you can help you get inspired, get equipped, and get involved. Check out at um, gcsapprenticeship.com. So I want to thank everybody for joining me again on another episode of Reform, Reproduce, and Reconstruct. As always, follow us on social media. Uh, subscribe to us on the various uh, podcast directories. You can check that on our website at cr101radio.com forward slash reform, reproduce, and reconstruct. And as I said, keep God's law, teach God's law, and that way you can earn more reward. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Have a great day.